Hello and welcome to Finance HQ episode 2. My name is Charles Mills. And I'm Edward Mills. And this is our end of year episode for 2021. Back by popular demand and just in time for the new year, what's on today's agenda, Edward? Thank you, Charles. I think uh, we've got a jam-packed episode. First of all, the news review, and that's going to look at the uh, momentous movements recently in interest rates and how that's affecting inflation. We've then got an intriguing little ditty called the Financial Word of the Year. Okay, that sounds good, yeah. It's different, I'll tell you that much. Um, Then I'd like to give thanks at this point to Adam in Wales, who got directly in touch with with Finance Focus. (laughs) Or Finance HQ. Finance HQ, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, About the Finance Focus section. We're back on track, thank you. And he's asked, what are the key factors to consider when investing? I thought, that's a really good point to just kick things off. So after that section, we move on to our, what is now traditional, finance yeah. joke. Traditional really. after two episodes. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, artistic license. Indeed. <laughs> but okay, well, all that said and done, well, let's get straight into our Finance HQ news review. To kick off our final news review of the year, uh, let's start with interest rates. Yeah. Good start. And why are they in the news? Well, the momentous happening has been the December Bank of England meeting, which has, in fact, increased interest rates for the first time in, well, actually only nearly three years. But in reality, they were pretty low before then. So um, it's an interesting situation where the two-year low is now upwards, finally. Uh, They've gone from 0.1% to 0.25%. And that may not sound a lot, but if you look around the world, you've got interest rates equally as low. You've got the ECB at uh, 0%. You've got the US at 0.25% like the UK. And in Switzerland, leading the way, negative interest rates, minus 0.75%. I see. So essentially, the banks are charging you to keep your money with them. That's actually what's happening. In fact, the commercial banks, where we as individuals will keep our money, places like Credit Suisse or UBS, they, for larger deposits, do actually charge the account holder. There's no interest whatsoever. Ah, okay. Which is a bit, bit new for us, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Not used to that yet. Um, but why does it matter? Well, looking under the bonnet, there's some really big signals, and that's really the other point we're about to make, which is about inflation. Yep. That's why it matters. Because for the first time in many years, inflation is now going, in relative terms, dare I use the term, through the roof. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> well, if you look in the UK, Bank of England went first. So let's look at their, their inflation rate. Yeah. Uh, as measured by CPI, the, the common measurement these days. Um, and it's 5.1% year on year from for 30th November. Uh, if you look at the European economic area, the EU, in fact, uh, is 4.9%. Wow. And in the US, 68 Somewhat, yeah, I mean, the US is way out of order. In fact, the US is the highest rate since June 1982, I found. Wow, okay. Something's Um, going on. Yeah, I mean, in the UK, the 5.1 is the highest since, what I thought was a long time until I found the US figures, since 2011. Okay, and uh, what about Switzerland? Uh, What about Switzerland? Have you got some numbers for me, Charles? Well, as a matter of fact, I have. (laughs) That's a relief, actually. Um, So their inflation stood at 1.5% in November, which was the highest, actually, since 2008 or 2009, um, but obviously lower than the rest of the world. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And what actually was really interesting to me, at least, was that core inflation 
which is the, the measure of inflation that is typically excluding goods and services with highly volatile prices. Um, right. They have two different measurements of core inflation here in Switzerland. One measured by the SFSO, which is the Swiss Federal Statistical Office. Try saying that 10 times fast. Crikey, yeah, um, SFSO. Yeah, and uh, one by the Swiss National Bank, which is a bit easier to say with SNB. Yes. So what the difference is between the two is the SFSO always exclude the same goods and services. So regardless of volatility, it will always be um, unprocessed foods, seasonal goods and services, and energy and fuel. Right. That makes sense, actually. That's yeah. Which one? That's the SFSO, that's not the, the National Bank. SFSO. Okay. Uh, whereas What's the, the National Bank? SNB's trimmed mean, yep. which is what they officially call it, they exclude the goods and services with the most extreme price changes every month. So the 15% of goods and services with the lowest annual rates of change in prices and the 15% with the highest. Right. I mean, bear in mind, core inflation is a target, not a... Uh, sorry, that's wrong. <laughs> it's not a target, I was trying to say. Sorry about that. No. Um, it, it's actually uh, an indicator. So when they look at core inflation in the monetary authorities, they're trying to work out what is the direction of travel. Now, you might call it a Swiss twist, but they've actually got two measures in Switzerland to be that much more precise, I can only assume. Yeah, and the cherry on top of the cake is that in November, they were both at 0.7%. <laughs> ah, interesting. So they do converge because I, I, I saw some figures historically where they were sort of 0.3 or 0.4% different in the yeah, last year. In, or so. so in August, just before uh, the SFSO yep. was at 0.4%, whilst the SNB was at 0.6%. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, the fascinating thing is that the, the interest rate peaks and troughs are very similar, as, as is the inflation, when you compare it to the rest of the world. But in Switzerland, the number is so much lower. So, yeah. you know, 1.5% inflation, it feels like we all think, well, I would have thought uh, people would think, yeah, we can live with that. That's nice. But <laughs> you don't want 6, 8, 10% inflation because things are running away from you and you can't save quick enough to exactly, afford to buy yeah. the goods. So, yeah. So one up for Switzerland, I think, trying desperately not to sound biased. Am I failing dismally? <laughs> no, you're doing okay. okay. You know, okay. I, I do agree. Well, wait, am I biased <laughs> as well? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, also, for our Australian listeners, and I know we do have some, Charles. Yes, and Doubtless you do too. The inflation rate there is running at the long-term average of 3%, so they're doing very well. Uh, it's already peaked and not rising, whilst their interest rate is just at an all-time low of, of only 0.1%. Okay. Well, at least it's not negative. Yes. And in conclusion, I would say 2022 has quite a reasonable outlook because the Bank of England saying they think inflation will peak by spring. Um, we're looking at gentle interest rate rises in their own words. Okay. So, you know, I think overall no need to panic and 2022 should have some good times ahead. Let's hope so. It seems to be a question of keeping calm and carrying on. So in the spirit of carrying on, Charles, let's move to the final item of the news review for Finance HQ 2021, which is the Swiss Financial Word of the Year. Yes, as published by FI News, we have the Swiss Financial Word of the Year 2021 selected by a five-member jury from a total of 250 entries sent in by FI News readers. Um, and the Word of the Year 2021 is... Greenwashing. Ah, greenwashing. That's an interesting one. That's where companies, mainly financial institutions, obviously, and fund managers, uh, label their funds and investments, should we say slightly inappropriately, overplaying <laughs> their green credentials, I think, is the way yes, we look at it. Yes, it's making them seem a bit more planet-friendly than they actually are. 
and much more sustainable being the other big word. Yes, it can actually have some quite uh, enormous reputational damage if it's used in the wrong way. And if it's discovered and exposed, which I think uh, we would like to, to do at every occasion, because this is something close to our heart, isn't it, in terms of investments? Yeah, definitely. We are we are strong believers in the ESG world here. Um, but we have also, on the back of this almost, we've come up with our own FHQ Financial Word of the Year as well. Finance HQ Financial Word of the Year. What a good idea. Yeah, lots of finances in there. <laughs> <laughs> well... The word we've chosen after much debate. Indeed. Yeah, uh, it was quite difficult, actually, but became easier as we developed the podcast, because actually for this edition, the word we've chosen represents one of the key factors driving long term growth and and wealth, if you like, for the global economy. That word is drumroll, Charles. Inflation. Yes, not sure my banging on the table drum roll was quite up to scratch there. But oh, it's very in tune. Why did we choose inflation? Well, as we said earlier, it's at an all-time high um, or relative high across global economies. Uh, even though Switzerland has what appears to be a low rate, which is a low rate, I should say, uh, it's still one of the higher rates they've had in the last few years. So Indeed. it's uh, highly topical and perhaps along with greenwashing makes a good pair, really, for appropriate words of 2021. Well, I think that rounds up our news review for 2021 and this episode. So let's move on now to our Finance HQ Finance Focus. The topic for this finance focus is what are the key factors to consider when investing? Yes, and I'd like to reiterate what I said earlier. Adam in Wales, a big thank you for getting in touch with us at Finance Indeed. HQ uh, and suggesting this topic. Yes, so looking first at the main reasons we invest, this could consist of um, accumulating an amount of money for a specific purpose, such as retirement, uh, buying a house or going on a big holiday. Oh, I like the big holiday. Yeah. And uh, certain investments can also reduce your tax and may also be supplemented by a matching uh, contribution from your employer. Ah, the classic workplace pension. Very good thing. Indeed. And finally, to combat the risk of inflation Ooh. eroding the value of your money over the long term. Inflation rears its head again. Indeed. Word of the year. <laughs> And from there, the following key factors should be considered by all investors. Indeed. In fact, what I've written down here, Charles, just to make my podcast wording come out a little bit better, is a list. Right. Shock horror. <laughs> There's <laughs> yeah. five key considerations. These are things that are second nature in the advice world. But in fact, private investors over 60% don't have advisors. Shock. Wow. Yeah, um, hopefully that'll reduce over time. So I've written this list of five, which are fairly easy to get your head around, but do need serious consideration. Start with the obvious, I think, uh, objectives and how long it'll take to have the objective satisfied. So is it saving for a car over five years? Is it saving for a house over five years? Or is it for retirement over 25 or 35 years? Yeah. That sort of thing. Then, of course, risk, because an investment... The very nature of the word is that it's meaning your your money is not sitting in a building society or bank account. Mm. It's actually in some kind of real thing. And that could be property. It could be stocks and shares. It could be bonds. All of those things go down as well as up. So risk, you have to think about what risk is acceptable to you as an investor. Yeah, definitely. And moving on to the sort of connected one, number three, really, is your capacity for loss. You know, if someone wants to take a risk, that's one thing. But really, they shouldn't, famous old saying, shouldn't bet the house on something. <laughs> um, 
capacity for loss really important. You may want a high risk to get a high return, which is the corollary of the two. Um, but if you can't afford to lose certain amounts of money you're investing, then you really shouldn't be investing at all with no, that money. Yeah. quite right. Um, so the fourth one is the how-to, which I've whittled down to three key methodologies of how to get your money invested. Okay. One, yeah, one is self-managing. Two, robo-advice is the new thing, which is an online service. And three, where we come in really, taking independent advice. And before I elaborate on those three, uh, the final factor I would suggest is costs. How much does it take out of your money to have it invested which can actually have a much larger impact than most people realize yes in fact costs if not managed or monitored carefully can in fact be as bad for an investor as inflation absolutely yes and elaborating on my how-to's if we look at self-managing the big issue with someone managing their own investments is really the methodology involved because choosing an investment today may be not as complex as many things to do with investing, you know, researching and finding a good thing. But the biggest problem is the monitoring of that investment. And then, of course, reviewing on a regular basis, whether it's quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, who knows. Uh, and then having reviewed the situation, updating things. And of course, number five, repeat all that again. How often do you want to do it on a Sunday? Do you want a life? That's, yes. Yeah, the big yeah. problem with self-managing. Exactly. Moving on to robo-advice, interesting thing about robo-advice is it's online and does the choosing, the monitoring, reviewing and updating on a regular basis as any fund management tool would do and any fund advisor would do. However, robo-advice itself is very clunky. It's very one size will fit you, just choose your size, sir or madam. It's not, you know actually bespoke to your personal situation robo stuff is online questionnaires only online answers only and basically jump in feet first thirdly of course where we come in the advice side there's a really important distinction about advice as well charles because we are independent as you as you know um, and the option to walk into a financial institution in the high street or on their website and be told where to invest is always there. But of course, that's that's one sided. That's what we call tied advice, where a bank or whoever says, here's our range of products in the area you want to invest, but not actually saying what's your situation and is there a better product out there for you, which of course is what the independence bit of independent advice is key for. Precisely. So it's really important to know whether or not your advisor is tied or independent. Absolutely. And now I'd like to add the most important factor to consider when investing is developing a structured plan. Of course. Otherwise, you're a ship without a captain. <laughs> yes. Um, so to start off, um, we think it's best to sort your money into pots. These are short term, medium term and long term. Pots. I see. So if we're telling people to do that, they must ignore the tip from the neighbour, the hunch in the newspaper and the gut feel. Yes, that, that kind of puts you more into the territory of gambling than investing professionally. Good point, yes. And that is certainly not the objective. No, and with each pot, you want to set an objective. So your short-term pot, we regard as money you need access to within the next five years. Then your medium-term pot, money you need access to within the next 10 years. And of course, the long-term pot is money for greater than 10 years. Yes, all these pots, Charles, they, they give the most important thing is to identify different levels of risk that you can then afford to take. Yes, with each time horizon, you could take a varying level of risk. So from the short term pot, you might want to take a bit less risk. And the longer term pot, you could maybe afford to take a bit more risk. 
Essentially, the short-term money is cash. That's less than five years. And medium term would be heading towards stocks and shares with a mixture of bonds. Uh, Long-term money would be mostly stocks and shares and less bonds. Essentially, bonds are lower risk than stocks and shares. They have an underlying guarantee, although they do go up and down in value. So once you've done the objectives for each pot, you now want to start considering where you're going to put the money. And there are over 5,000 funds, uh, even more individual stocks and shares and securities. Which is quite overwhelming, to say the least. Yes, to say the least, uh, which is exactly why, actually, taking independent advice is so important to help you navigate through it all. So, finally, you've developed a plan. You've got your pots divided into the right timeframes. You've chosen the risk levels. You've looked at the options, where to invest the money. Ultimately, now, take action and invest. But after you have taken action, it doesn't end there. You've got to regularly monitor, review and update your portfolio. Indeed. In fact, update really means at least quarterly, I would suggest. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that, that includes two key things. Rebalancing to make sure the risk is aligned to the original start point. You often find higher risk investments will outperform lower risk investments. So your portfolio isn't represented in the same way as when you started. Hence rebalancing. The other thing about updating is, of course, remembering that the funds themselves or the shares or bonds that you may have chosen will need to be amended subject to them being the right thing at the time you do the review. So these are the key factors. And it's an ongoing experience for the rest of the time frame. And a final note on this before we finish off our finance focus for the episode is that you'll usually hear a lot of noise in the media about how the world's about to end and you'll lose absolutely everything next week, next (laughs) month or even tomorrow. But don't panic um, as usually the best thing to do is actually nothing. Subject to your own circumstances, of course, Charles. Of course. (laughs) But I think that rounds up the finance focus for this episode, which leaves us with everybody's favourite section, the finance joke. Excellent stuff. Here goes, Charles. Where should I invest my money? I don't know. Ah, that's surprising after our chat. (laughs) Anyway, you should put it in booze, because where else can you get 40%? (laughs) Okay, okay, that one was was Before you go, hang on, no, before you go, don't be so quick, I've got a New Year bonus joke. Oh, gosh, getting a bit carried away now, aren't you? Well, I'll I'll calm down after this one, I promise. (laughs) Here goes, what's the difference between a bank and an angry rhinoceros? The bank charges more. And on that note, we hope you enjoyed listening to our second episode and thank you for tuning in. And we hope you had a great Christmas and we wish you a very healthy, happy and prosperous 2022. I'll second that. We'll see you in the new year. To make sure you always receive notifications of our next podcast, go to our website, www.financehq.ch and sign up to our mailing list. And remember, we have a no spam guarantee. Uh, For all your questions, suggestions, or indeed any feedback, just send an email to me, charles, at financehq.ch or use our contact form on the website. And of course, all of this can be found in the description below. Yes, and thank you for tuning in. And we hope you listen again to Finance HQ. Finance HQ podcasts are brought to you by Charles and Edward Mills. Finance HQ does not recommend investments or give financial advice. All discussions are for interest only and do not represent personal financial recommendations. Always take independent financial advice before making any investment decision, ensuring it's relevant to your individual circumstances. Thank you.